Well, good morning, everyone. So today our focus is going to be on Psalm 103. So if you'd like to, there's Bibles at the back. You can help yourselves to them, and then we'll, we'll focus on the psalm today. Um, so really what led me to, to share this psalm with you is when I was considering the psalms and praying through um, what I would share, I was encouraged to share a psalm of thanksgiving. I thought, we, you know, we have so much to be thankful for. And I thought that was, that was really something that I wanted to share this morning. And Psalm 103 just really captures David's heart as he, as he looks at all the wonderful qualities of God and then he prays through them and he then blesses the Lord and comes to him with an attitude of praise. So that was really the background as to why I chose Psalm 103 in particular this morning. So We'll just read the psalm together now, and the words I I think will come up on the screen behind me as well. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower in the field. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you, his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. So, firstly, today we'll have a look and we'll explore the structure of the psalm. Um, Then we'll look at how David actually blesses the Lord. We will examine the perfect forgiveness which comes from Jesus Christ. 
And after that, we'll look at the covenant that God has made with his people and what he requires of us, even though he remembers our frame. And finally, we'll look heavenward to see how we join in with all creation to bless and praise the Lord together. So, first of all, the structure of the psalm. So, David begins the psalm really by telling himself and his entire being to bless the Lord. He declares truths about God's wondrous works to stir up within him this attitude of praise. This compels him to reflect on the forgiving nature of God. He continues to reflect on the fact that even though we are like dust and we're weak, the eternal God who is all-powerful and in command of all creation would want to have a relationship with us. Then David turns his attention to the promise God has made with Abraham and kept through generations, through Moses to him, and now through Jesus Christ. And finally, then David is so captured by God's incredible works, he encourages all of creation to join in with him and bless the Lord together. So let's just scroll back to the beginning. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Or some other translations, the NIV says, praise the Lord. So what does it mean to bless the Lord? As best I could describe it is to bless the Lord means to continually speak highly of and proclaim God's wondrous works. Verse 1, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Look at where David starts the psalm. He chooses to bless the Lord. He chooses to adopt a mindset which says, regardless of how I feel, I will bless the Lord. How have we chosen to be here today? Is your mindset focused on who God is or what's going on around you? The psalm focuses on encapsulating his entire being in blessing and praising God's holy name. Verse 3, the Lord who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Hear how he's just rattling off the wonderful qualities of God, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. This is him proclaiming God's works and basking in the joy that comes from knowing our God is holy and good. Psalm 34 actually begins in a quite a similar way. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. When we praise God, his spirit affirms in us the joy and the comfort there is in knowing him. There's nothing more important than coming to God with a heart of thanksgiving and simply praising his name. When you're reminded of who God actually is and what that means for us, we should want to spend time with him and grow in the fruits of the Spirit as a result of that, giving ourselves over to God rather than asking for the opposite. Blessing the Lord means to give more of ourselves over to him. Seek God first in your lives. You need to find the time to praise and to glorify him. When we speak truths about God as David did in the psalm, it stirs our heart, stirs in our heart an attitude of praise with which we come to God. We should pray through the psalms as it helps us to articulate the works of the Lord and recall 
what our God is capable of. When we realize God's true character, we can experience what it means to be really in adoration of this amazing God we serve. So if we live a life of true worship to God, then how does that ripple into our character? And how does that provide evidence of God's existence to those around us? 50 years from now, how do you want to be remembered? God created the whole of creation to worship him and praise his name. Therefore, our fulfillment is found in worshiping him. As we pour out and surrender our souls, that's where we find our fulfillment in him. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Is that us this morning? David is blessing the Lord. He blesses the Lord because God is holy and good. And the same God that David worshipped, we worship here today. So in light of that, we should go from this place and bless the Lord. So that really sums up what it means to bless the Lord. And then David goes on to really explore why he's blessing the Lord. What characters, what qualities of God would encourage him to do that. So first of all, he investigates his, he looks into his forgiveness, his forgiving nature. He then looks into the fact that even though we are dust, we, he still wants to have an everlasting relationship with us. And then finally, he looks at the covenant that he's made through Abraham and through his forefathers to then bless us and to make sure that we are then his people and ultimately through Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross. So that's where we're going with this. So the next section that we'll focus on then is the forgiveness that God, that God provides for us. So look at verse 9 then. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. This is a nod to the day when there will be final judgment. That terrible and wonderful day when God's own will be reunited with him and rejoice. And those to who God says, depart from me, I never knew you. It will be a tragic day when they will fall into the eternal pit of damnation. The fact is, he provides a way out. He does not want that to happen to you. He loves you, he cares for you, and he wants to see you reunited with him in eternity. And God provides a way to redeem sin through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. God sent his perfect, blameless, one and only son to die so that mankind would be redeemed forever from all sin. This is the new covenant. Luke chapter 22, verse 20, when Jesus was at the Last Supper, he held up this cup and he said, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. So then in light of that, in light of God's forgiving nature, Psalm 103, verse 10, he does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us in accordance with our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion on those who fear him. In light of the Lord's forgiving nature, 
how much more should we want to spend time to worship God? Reflecting on the Lord's redemptive nature helped David even further to magnify the Lord's steadfast love for us, that he would not leave us but instead provide forgiveness. Then David changes. He focuses on us. He focuses on how weak and how feeble we are. In verse 14 he says, But for he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass, he flourishes like a flower in the field, for the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. God knows that we are no more than dust. It's a healthy reminder that the universe does not revolve around us. We will come into this life and leave almost no trace. But God will span through the generations and the lifetime of this universe. God is eternal. Our sole purpose is to bring glory to God. God created everything, everything you see, to worship him. Why? Because he is holy. All of creation, the birds of the air, the creatures on land, the fish of the sea, the vast ever-changing expanse of the sky, the crashing waves, the towering mountains enrobed in forests, the powerful lightning, the scorching heat of the desert, the unimaginable chasm of the universe containing billions of stars and millions of galaxies all serve to worship him, and that picture includes us. Remember that God did not create you out of selfish desire, but out of good intention. The Lord saw what he has made and said that it was good in Genesis. It's only since sin has entered the world that we have skewed our picture of God. God who is eternal and spans through generations providing forgiveness for all of your sins heals your illnesses, restores you from the wreck, sets you in his perfect steadfast love and mercy, only would have good intentions for you, is Lord over every situation which goes on in the world, would want to have a tangible and meaningful relationship with you, despite the fact that you are like a speck of dust, a grain of sand in the Sahara Desert, a drop in the Atlantic Ocean, one of 7.7 billion people currently in the world, increasing by a number of 220,000 people per day. Should that not stir up in you as it did David to praise God for who he is? So then, in light of that, David then focuses on God's covenant, the covenant that he's made with his forefathers through Abraham. Psalm 103, verse 17, sorry. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. To those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. God has three requirements there for us. To fear him, to keep his covenant, and to remember to obey him. In order to play the piano, you have to abide by a set of rules in order to create a melody which sounds beautiful. If you don't abide by these rules, then you're left with a discord which sounds horrible. It's exactly the same when we turn our attention to the Lord's requirements of us. We have to abide by these requirements 
to be able to fully bring glory to him. So we'll start with this central requirement, the central requirement which is to keep covenant with God. God made a covenant with Abraham in Genesis chapter 17. So if you'd like to turn with me to Genesis chapter 17. And we'll read verses 1 to 9. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abraham fell on his face and the Lord said to him, Behold, My covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abraham, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations, an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your offspring after you. And I will give to you and your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations." So God's covenant or God's promise that he made with Abraham means blessing will be on his offspring for generations. God will bless his people by continually seeking to restore a relationship with them. Remember, God is holy and he can't tolerate sin. So God provided the people a way which they can be redeemed for their sin. And at the time, this was usually by the slaughter of animals to then take on the sin and to put to death the sin. So the same covenant carried through to Moses and then eventually it carried down to David, which David refers to in in verse 6 of Psalm 103. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Moses Really, this is just an aside here. Moses was born at a time when the Israelites were enslaved by the Egyptians. And God's plan was to use Moses to rescue them from slavery. God called Moses in Exodus chapter 3, and he came to him in the burning bush. And the Lord said to Moses, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hands of the Egyptians and bring them up to that land to be a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, my children Israel, out of Egypt. So there's a bit of context there to to Moses. And David specifically refers to Moses delivering that time, delivering God's people from the Egyptians. But God never failed to keep his promise through Abraham, Moses, and David. God was not compelled to keep a covenant with his people once they'd had turned away from him. After Adam and Eve had sinned, God could have very easily wiped out his creation. 
But because of his forgiving nature, because God is holy, because he is ultimately good, he chose to redeem them and restore a perfect relationship with them through his covenant. And then the covenant was fulfilled later when Jesus lived, he died, and he rose among us. At the Last Supper again, Luke twenty two twenty. this is the new covenant in my blood. This was fulfilling, this was the fulfilling of the covenant that God had made with his people. Providing the perfect sacrifice, the spotless lamb, to wipe all sin forever. And then the New Testament spells out what that new covenant means for us. We are forgiven, so our relationship with God can be restored, and we are reunited with Jesus in that, so that his blood counts for us. The second part of the new covenant is pouring out of the Holy Spirit, and this was after Jesus' death, which plays a huge role in our lives to evidentially change the way we lived once we have received Jesus. I don't think it's possible to live a perfect walk here on earth. But it is possible to live so that there is evidence that there has been a change in your life. The new covenant then is the eternal covenant in Christ through which we shall forever have fellowship with God if we choose to accept it. And he shall be our God and we shall be his people. So then... Track back to this first requirement. So that's the covenant. That's central to these three requirements in verse 17. The first requirement, which is to fear him so that we may experience his steadfast love, which is everlasting. Not to fear him so that you run away from God, but so that you understand that God is so holy, he's so powerful and so amazing that you would not dare to run anywhere else. To realize that God is so much greater than you, so that when we come to him, we would tremble as we bow in reverence before him. John Piper puts it, fearing God is not another distinct requirement, but the way you do covenant keeping. The way you come to Jesus, you come humbly. You come reverently. You come to him without any presumption that you deserve anything. Tremble if you feel any inclination to leave this God because there is only destruction away from him. So now you run to Jesus in light of the new covenant, fearing and trembling that you would go anywhere else. And you are filled with amazement that God, who created you, would desire to deeply have a relationship with you, despite the fact that you are like a speck of dust. You are united with Jesus so that his blood counts for your sin. Walking in God's way with his Holy Spirit, aiding you so there is evidential change in your life that you are filled with the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. So into that context... Then comes the third requirement, which is to keep his commandments. You're not seeking God's approval, but simply because you love and you fear him. Because God is holy, 
and your love for him becomes so great that you would choose to do good so that your character reflects his. So those are the three requirements of us. And then David turns his attention to blessing the Lord together. Verse 19, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. David draws our attention to the heavens above, declaring that God rules over everything. Are we living a life that declares to our colleagues, children, friends, family, spouses, neighbors, that God is ruler over all? That in any situation that we face, we could find true comfort because God is in control of everything. We put all our trust in God so that people would look at us and say, this person has the mark of God on them. That we would continue to bless the Lord regardless of our situation. Oh, to have a faith like that. David has declared the mighty works of God and now he seeks to encourage everyone else to join in with him and praise God as well. Verse 20 Bless the Lord, O you, his angels, you mighty ones who do his word. Obeying the voice of his word, bless the Lord, O his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. He's saying, come on, angels, come on, creation. Bless the Lord with me. The attitude of David. The attitude of praise that David feels is infectious and should stir up the same response in us. So on the back of that, I would encourage you to make it a priority to find God this week. The truth is that many of us will go into tomorrow and totally forget what we've heard. But more importantly than that, we will forget to even acknowledge God before going into the new day which he has so graciously given us. What a tragic, broken picture of God's creation. Strive to praise God with your mouth between now and next Sunday. I can't say anything that will help you do that. You need to wake up. We need to wake up and realize the God that we worship. If you want to read a passage, then I would encourage you to read Psalm 104. It continues this theme of blessing the Lord. I would encourage you to pray through that this week. So in response, will we join in with creation's chorus and bless the Lord together? Even if we remain silent, the rocks will cry out and declare the majesty of God and his handiwork. The stars will declare his goodness as far as the east is from the west. We need to continually praise God with our mouth and bless the Lord with our soul. Our entire being should bless the Lord. If you think that's a tall order, remind yourself of who God is. So that closes our time. I'm going to invite the band to come up and play. And I think it might be appropriate just to have a time of response uh, just now.
Firstly, I'd just like to say as the band um, play in the background, if there is anyone who feels that they would like to make a commitment to God for the first time today and accept Jesus into their heart, then I'm going to ask you to do a very brave thing. If you would come down to the front, just in this worship time that we have now, to ask Jesus into your heart and to make a public declaration in front of the church that you would like to ask God into your life if you haven't done so already, then I would like to open up this opportunity for you just now. I would also like to invite anyone else up who feels who feels a heaviness because their relationship with God maybe has been distant over the past few weeks who's maybe struggling with a very difficult situation and feels like there's nothing that they can do even in their own faith to be able to do that I would just invite you during this worship time now to come to the front bring someone with you it's not this is a relaxed environment you know and I would also encourage you just now to feel free to worship God as you would as you as you as you feel called so if you would like to kneel if you would like to pray through this time if you want to stand and sing then you're more than welcome so I'll just open up this time now and I'll just close in prayer and then we'll we'll finish with a few songs in worship Let's pray. Dear God, we glorify you. We praise your name. We thank you that you are good. And we pray that like David, God, that you would just stir up in us a heart of worship and a heart of praise that we would deeply desire to have a relationship with you. I pray, Lord, for anyone here who feels that their their relationship is, is not there, God, that you would just reignite in them a passion to to understand and to know who you are and your your wonderful qualities, God. Pray, Lord, that as we go into this week that you would keep us mindful of the fact that you are Lord over all creation. That you are Lord over every single situation that we can go through. Pray that during this time as we worship you now, you would just help us to see your true character. And we thank you, Father. We thank you that you're here in this place. 
and we praise you and we glorify you and we worship you God and pray these things in your mighty name Amen